Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you all for joining me today on the Janice Dean podcast. I know many of you know about the tragedy that happened to my family and thousands of other families during the pandemic in nursing homes and adult care facilities here in New York and several other states in the spring of 2020. It's been over three years now, and we still have no answers or accountability to find out why our leaders decided to flood senior facilities with thousands of COVID-positive patients when they knew that the elderly were the most susceptible to the virus. This week, I was invited to testify in front of the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic for the hearing titled, Like Fire Through Dry Grass, Nursing Home Mortality and COVID-19 Policies. That title, by the way, is a direct quote from our former disgraced New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who referenced the wildfire that would rage inside nursing homes if COVID got into them. This is the first time I will testify in Congress in person, and I am incredibly nervous, but I want to make sure this issue is not forgotten. We've had investigations on many other tragedies, including 9-11. Why are we not having full investigations, bipartisan investigations with subpoena power when it comes to the thousands of parents and grandparents that were deliberately put in harm's way? One of the families that will be with me this week is the Arbinis. Both Daniel and Peter Arbini have become my family over the last three years, and we have come together to turn our grief into action. Peter recently wrote an op-ed for the New York Daily News titled, Still Looking for Answers on COVID. Governor Hochul Needs to Address What Happened with the Deaths from the Nursing Homes. I wanted to bring Peter on the podcast to talk about his advocacy and the investigative journalism he has done in the last few years. I believe his COVID nursing home timeline that he created documenting every important day during the pandemic and the tragic mistakes that were made here in New York by the Cuomo administration will one day be referenced in books and research as we look back on this disturbing moment in the history of our country. Peter Arbini, thank you for being with me today again. Thank you for having me and my father on your show. Oh, buddy. You know, we met over three years ago. When did we meet each other? October 18th, 2020, the day we held the mock funeral for Governor Cuomo's leadership and integrity. We met on the streets of Brooklyn. Yes, that's right. And I remember reading the press release for this and I thought, wow, finally, someone gets it. Someone understands what we're going through. When you thought about having the mock funeral, where did the idea come from? Um, It came when I was having a discussion with uh, the head of the Cobble Hill Nursing Home. And we were talking about uh, the failures between the federal government, the city and the state. Um, 
And I said there was no cohesive communication between three branches of government. And then he said to me, can you believe Governor Cuomo is coming out with a book? Mm. That was August of 2020. My reply to him, immediate reply was, if he's coming out with a book, I'm going to put a coffin in front of your nursing home. I'm going to fill it with the, the front cover of his book because he's lying about the death toll. Yeah. And I, that's how it all started, just in one conversation. I came back to my office. I looked it up. I said, oh, my God, he is coming out with a book. Then that started the idea. It took two months, a flyer, putting a group of people together um, and organizing something I've never done before, a public event and a mock funeral for Governor Cuomo's leadership and his integrity when he was at the absolute top. Yep. He was at the uh, height of his career, but I knew he was lying. Um, well, I had strong su suspicions. Uh, if Cobble Hill Nursing Home, which is in an affluent neighborhood, which owns the building, which is privately owned, not a corporate raider, had 55 deaths, um, not including my father. And then I times it by 600 other nursing homes that are nowhere near the stature of Cobble Hill Nursing Home. I said, there's no way the death toll is 6,000. Hmm. So that was your first kind of aha moment is the 6,000 death that was reported and then you kind of doing the math in your head. Yeah, I mean, at that time in August, it was like uh, 6,200 died. and But then another number came out uh, and that's when I realized it was way too close, the Delta. He said he sent 6,000 COVID patients into nursing homes. And I said, if you send 6,000 in, how could it only be 6,200 died? Right. The Delta, the way the virus spread, especially in an environment where everyone was over 65 with underlying conditions, there's no way it was too close. Mm -hmm. If you told me you sent 1,000 patients in and 6,000 people died, I could believe that. Yeah. So that's what that was the beginning of the math of realizing he lied. And on the day of the mock funeral, which was uh, October 18th, the same week he came out with his book where we met. Yep. Reporters asked, what do you think the death toll is? And I said, it's as high as 15,000. And people have said to me, you know, how did you come up with that number? I said, he sent 6,000 patients in. CDC said it moves three people. Six times three is 18. 20% lived. You're at 15,000. Wow. That's, I mean, and we're in a whole heap of trouble if a, a small business owner figures out that the governor of this great state was lying about the death hole by two to three times. Like, this is why I go and I vote. I look to elect honest people to protect me and my family. And that's just not what happened in this case. And as much as I want to say this is not about politics, because it isn't, it's not about politics. You know, you've let it be known that you're a Democrat. You voted for Governor Cuomo and you are the loudest critic. Yeah, I, I, I through this whole process, uh, I realized that the parties. They protect their color. 
Um, so there's a blue color and a red color. And then you have the truth. Mm. And if the truth is that a Democrat did something wrong, let's protect the blue. He left office. He resigned. We don't need to look at it anymore. Mm. And that's not the way it should be. The parties have forgotten that they're supposed to see things in black and white, Mm. not red and blue. Yeah. And that's both sides. That's both sides. Yeah. If he hadn't written the book, would we be here today? Like, was the book kind of the sort of the how dare he let me look into this more? Um, the book was an insult. Yes. Because he insulted my father's memory by never apologizing to the families that a mistake happened, mm. if that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And to spend the time in the middle of a pandemic when people couldn't figure out if they could open their business, close their business, go to work, pay their mortgage, bury their dead, mourn their dead, you know, the uh, it, it was... Um, it was insulting that he could find the time to write a book. Yeah. I remember being enraged by it. I mean, just, you know, he didn't contact families. And the fact that he had time instead of writing condolence cards or reaching out to people like yourself, like my family, um, instead it was all about him and his, you know, how dare he say his incredible leadership. The book had not been written and yet he wrote it. Yeah. uh, The earliest reports we have is that uh, by the end of June, he had 200 pages written, 200 pages written. And we know that the earliest contact for the book publisher or the book agent to Governor Cuomo was March 19th. And March 19th, then I did my foils, as you recall, that got published. Tell me what a foil is. A freedom of information law where anything that the government does, as long as it's not considered classified, you as a private citizen can write a letter and request the information. Mm -hmm. So I requested information about the book. The publishing agents and you can check people's emails and it came back that on march 30th or up to april the big first week of april there was all these communications back with the executive chamber and speechwriters and other agencies about putting together a timeline for a preface i didn't i never wrote a book i never even wrote an op-ed before this and i've written five op-eds and now i understand the word preface yes is, written is about writing a book. Correct. You don't say preface for anything else except a book. Do you think that he lied about the numbers because he wanted to write this book? Okay. Uh, in short, yes. But I will go to the first time I heard this word and then lead you into it. Okay. Tom DiNapoli wrote in his, uh, well, he's the comptroller. He's the comptroller. Yeah, yeah. Tom DiNapoli, the New York State Controller, did an 18-month audit 
of nursing homes. It was a longer-awaited report. It started in 2020, and it came out 18 months later. And he wrote that the Department of Health was following the executive chamber narrative. Now, fast forward two years later, I was discussing this, my timeline that I put together and events, and um, the person said to me, uh, well, when you're writing a book, if something doesn't fit your narrative, you dismiss it, you ignore it. And that's the second time somebody used the word narrative. Now I understood what Governor, what the Tom DiNapoli was stating, and now I understood how the word narrative plays into a book. And creating a debacle in nursing homes was a bad narrative. Yes. So they ignored it and suppressed it and split it up like a pie. They cut the pie and they sent pieces all over the place. So you really didn't know what the death toll was because they split it all up. Yes. And it's proven with one number. When Tish James report came out 10 months after we sat, we stood on the street saying, you're lying about the death toll. Tish James is the attorney general. Correct. I'm assuming everybody knows everything. (laughs) It's okay. I wouldn't know any of this if I wasn't in this with you. (laughs) So go ahead. Tish James. Yes. Tish James came out with a report that justified that he was lying up to 50% about the death toll. Right. That report went from the death toll 6,500, then it went to 13,000, and then it ballooned to 15,500. But there was one number there that went up by 50% that no one really paid attention to. It was the admittance number. So it went from 6,000 to nine. It went up 50%. Mm -hmm. And then I said, this is what they did. They had the death toll at 6,200 at the time in August of 2020, when I started the idea of the mock funeral, they couldn't say that they sent 9,000 COVID patients into nursing homes. So they sliced the number. So it ended up below 6,200 to 6,000. How did they slice the number? They had 3,000 readmissions. So just so everyone understands, there was a question. How many COVID patients did you send discharged from hospitals to nursing homes? We didn't ask where they came from. We just wanted to know how many were discharged. COVID positive patients from the hospital discharged into a nursing home. They told us the number was six. Mm -hmm. The number was actually nine because if you were in a nursing home and you went to a hospital and you tested positive and they sent you back to the nursing home, they classified that as a readmission and they separated the number. Mm. So they had 3000 readmissions. Wow. So that So that proved to me the data manipulation was because no one would even believe Cuomo if he said he sent 9,000 COVID patients for six weeks into nursing homes and only 6,200 people died. Right. No one would have believed him. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And let me just say this. I mean, you're a proud small business owner. Tell me what you do, Peter. <sighs> I run a small uh, service company uh, for HVAC, 30 plus years in business, uh, would like to uh, retire from being a nursing home advocate uh, and get back to running my business. Uh, but I need the political establishment, regardless of color, to realize that there's something here worth investigating. Yes. And I will state, which my family has never stated, we have never stated that Governor Cuomo should be arrested. We never even stated Governor Cuomo should resign. We have never stated whether Governor Cuomo did something illegal. All I know is he definitely did some things wrong. He definitely was deceptive. And there needs to be a proper investigation. Once an investigation is initiated and concluded, then others can determine if there should be criminality. Mm. But me as a private citizen, I have I have questions yes. that need to be answered. And those questions require testimony, mm-hmm. not me foiling to grab an email yes. to find out what narrative they were up to. Mm-hmm. And there's enough here and there's enough questions. And every time Governor Cuomo makes a statement, it's always a misstatement. Mm-hmm. And it's something else that has to be fact checked. Yes. So the reason I started the timeline, which now is 45 pages long. Let's talk about timeline. that. Let's talk about that. You and I know about your timeline. This timeline that Peter has been working on for many years now um, will be of public record, I believe. It is the best um you know, document that is out there with regards to how this all came about from day one to now to when Andrew Cuomo goes on the air on the radio and gets the odd question about nursing homes and, you know, lies again. You document that. It is the only piece of true um, truth, fact checked when it comes to the nursing home tragedy, and you have been putting this together, obviously I have seen it. I have it in my Google Drive. I have it printed out. It is 45 pages long. And for you, Peter, to do the work of an a true investigative journalist when all of them have forgotten is like brings tears to my eyes because I feel like you're the only one that cares. I mean, obviously, our my family cares and the families that lost someone care. But I have never sit, sat down and done the work and put the money that you have been putting into foils and trying to find bis, bits and pieces of um, information to input into your timeline. I mean, I'm just so proud of you, first of all, and the dedication to something like that. You know, I think you should get a Medal of Honor. 
Well, in the end, I would settle for the truth and an investigation. Uh, I would uh, forgo the medals. I would just want the truth of why the March 25th order, why the deception, uh, what was the origins of the March 25th order. Yeah, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Where did it come from? Who wrote it? He signed it. But why? Why was the only option to put those thousands of sick patients into where our most vulnerable resided? As I've said before, nursing homes were the first and only option the Cuomo administration used for six weeks for COVID-positive patients. And that has never made any mathematical sense to me when there were other things available to them within the networks, including within the federal including within the federal government. Well, what started the timeline was every time I talked to a very liberal Democratic friend of mine, he would say, Cuomo had to do something. When did the ship arrive? When did the Javits arrive? And I really didn't know when it arrived, when it was announced, when it left, when it was able to take COVID patients. Then I would talk to the Republicans and they were like, why didn't he use the ship? Why didn't he use the Javits? So I started from those two perspectives between the Republicans and the Democrats. I says, you know what? I've really got to document this and put this down because I don't know the dates. Mm. And then that's what started this timeline. And it now is just a factual by date, by article. Everything is linkable. There's 450 links on this document. So there are no statements that are stated that are not linkable. They're Mm -hmm. sourced. Everything is sourced on this. So it's not my opinion. It's it's factual through the timeline. And then when you put the timeline together and let's just take. To me, the most glaring problem with this timeline that you see with the Cuomo administration. July 6th, he forced the Department of Health to issue a July 6th public health report on the March 25th order of 2020. It said that his March 25th order sending 9000 COVID patients no additional deaths. <laughs> Never mind the 10 other things that it said that were lies. It came out in the assembly report that the July 6th report that was driven and written by the executive chamber. So now take July 6th. He forced this report of his order of March 25th. And then what does he do? July 8th and 10th of 2020. He has an auction for his book by mm-hmm. July 10th. He has a $5 million contract. Mm. July 6th, July 8th and 10th. The, these are facts that need to be investigated. This was the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> I and it, I don't really give a lot of, of what my opinion are because I try to stick to facts. I'm a fact-based person. And But if you ask me my opinion, I would say, The way it looks in this timeline and everything that the governor said and everything that I could possibly as a private citizen fact check the governor is that on March 19th, the first contact of the book publisher or agent that doomed our families Mm. because they they were not going to make any mistakes from that point forward. The executive chamber understood 
that they had to be, Governor Cuomo had to present himself as the self-appointed pandemic god. And that set the narrative to dismiss and deflect and hide anything that didn't fit that narrative. Mm. And making a huge mistake like the March 25th order. Yeah. Which I was a huge mistake. You can't ever admit it was a mistake, right? Uh, right. Right. But, and in the beginning, you just wanted an apology to your family, right? We wanted an apology. We wanted the true death toll. And we wanted our father's death to count because right. it didn't count. Tell me about that. If you died outside the hospital or outside the nursing home, the Cuomo administration did not count you. Yes. So if you walked out the door and killed over of COVID, uh, you would be not considered a COVID death. We were one of the fortunate families that got our father home. He died at home approximately 13 days after we got him out of the nursing home. And he did not die alone. Uh, most families cannot say that. But because of that fact, he doesn't count as a nursing home fatality. We don't even know if he counted as the overall COVID fatality in mm -hmm. New York State. So it's two-part question. And that goes to our meeting we had with Governor Hochul. A year plus later, my family still doesn't know. And if you hand your father's death certificate, and I had the means and the tenacity to put myself in front of Tish James, I handed her my father's death certificate. And she looked at me in my father's house and said, the death numbers are still not right. Mm. I handed my father's death certificate to Tom Napoli, the state controller. He said, not sure if the numbers can ever be right. I handed my death certificate to Hochul, Governor Hochul. She wasn't sure if my father's death counted and required her, her counsel to help me. Could you get any higher in this state with a death certificate? I yeah. still have no answer. So what hope do we have? Yeah. Well, I still have you as hope. Now, tell me about we were let's circle back to the comfort ship and the Javits Center. Mm -hmm. You know, you have been spending your hard money uh, because it costs money to foil and to get a lawyer to help you with that. Um, tell me about the foil that you got from the admiral. That was uh, that that admiral to me was a hero. Um because that email that he sent and he used the word help. And then we got the emails of the executive chamber responding, not to him, but to their private inner circle, where you did not see any of them wanting to help. They just wanted to deflect. Yes. And they were very suspicious of the word help. Yes, the admiral when, wrote uh, an email to the executive chamber saying, please send patients into the ship i'm paraphrasing that's correct on april 7th i mean july uh no uh april 7th correct of 2020 april 6th governor cromo requested that the ship and the javits take COVID patients trump approved this request overrode whatever the federal government wanted or didn't want it was accepted on April 6th. April 7th, 
the admiral sent an email saying, help, I only have 120 patients, and the capacity was 3,500, and they only had 120 patients. Um, And then recently, Governor Cuomo went on a radio show, and it was questioned about the ship and the Javits, and his response was was amazingly false, where he said uh, that by the time the ship was approved for COVID patients, we didn't need it anymore. So he kind of blamed it on the federal government that it took them so long to approve it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the dates and the timeline and the facts, it went on 32 more days, his March 25th order sending COVID patients in. So... The governor omitted from his radio show that he still sent 7,000 COVID patients after the ship was approved for COVID patients, after the admiral sent an email for help. Mm -hmm. Those 7,000 people, if COVID moves three times, infected 21,000 people in nursing homes. Yeah. So these are just facts. This is not my opinion. I only gave you one opinion in this uh, interview so far. <laughs> these are these are these are facts. Yeah. And it's available, right? People can go online and see your timeline. Yes, it's uh, it's published or available at the WeCareWall.com. Yes. Talk about that. The WeCareWall. Um, I wanted when I created I created two documents. One was the timeline. And one was an investigation document. The investigation document is like 26 pages long, broken down into categories of like what should be looked at and how it should be, what questions should be asked. And that investigation document comes from the timeline where I have questions like the admiral asked for help on April 7th. On April 7th, the Department of Health issued a a admittance guidelines to the ship and the Javits, three pages. But they had no admittance guidelines to nursing homes. <laughs> they had three pages for an empty hospital. Yeah. <laughs> they had none for a full nursing home. Right. You and I could not I, get onto that ship. <laughs> like normal, I, healthy people would not be able to get on that ship because of all the rules and regulations. Correct. So the question is, was the Department of Health guidelines based on exactly on what the federal government wanted? Or was that their own guidelines? Mm-hmm. And did the admiral know about the March 25th order and that Governor Cuomo was sending COVID patients to nursing homes and not to him? Mm-hmm. Those, this is where an investigation, you can ask these simple questions to find answers. Yes. Rather than foiling and foiling and foiling. Right. And we still haven't got that. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You know, we have these hearings that are 
coming up that will be have had we will have had the hearings when this interview airs and I'll be there um, to testify. But I just wonder if it's just another moment for us to tell our stories, um, you know, get some press, maybe um, have it broadcast somewhere. But will we ever get the answers? How many times do we have to do this? How many times do I have to go up and talk about my husband's family and how cruel this was for us over and over again before we get a final investigation, a bipartisan investigation with subpoena power? Without subpoenas, we are just Groundhog Day. It's just Groundhog Day again. Dennis, you are correct. I I thought it was pretty simple three years ago as a Democrat. I was like, he's lying. There's going to be an investigation. And I argued with my brother and I argued with him two years ago. Three years later, my brother's right. Nothing. There's no will. There's no will in Albany. Um, the Albany Democrats, uh, my party, unfortunately, believes that since they either Either they asked Governor Cuomo to resign or that he resigned. They're absolved from investigating now. He's no longer there. Mm. And that is the wrong opinion when thousands and thousands of people have died. Clearly by a government action. Yes. This is where the Republican Congress should be. Focusing their time on. Yes. The entire March 25th order, Cuomo's complete position is he was following the CDC guidelines. I have fact checked that as much as you possibly can. And Governor Cuomo and his administration says they were following the March 13th and the March 23rd CDC guidelines. But Governor Cuomo in his radio ad, you know, his radio interview a couple of weeks ago, stated that the first nursing home, it started in a nursing home in the state of Washington. That was in the beginning of March. And based on that outbreak in that nursing home, they came out with the March 18th CDC guidelines. So Governor Cuomo stated on the radio show that he knew and he spoke to the governor about what happened in a nursing home around March 18th. He says it started in a nursing home. Then how on March 25th, after the CDC issued guidelines for nursing homes on March 18th, how on earth on March 25th do you put an order in place sending COVID patients to nursing homes? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. So and the Republicans should focus on those guidelines, bring people in for testimony, prove whether they were following the CDC guidelines. That's why I foiled. My first foil was Dr. Fauci. Yes, because Dr. Fauci and Governor Cuomo in March and April were communicating. If Governor Cuomo says he was following CDC guidelines, who better to talk to than Dr. Fauci? Mm -hmm. I foiled no records of any, not one email, April and March of 2020 between Dr. Fauci and the entire New York state government. Now, that's something to raise an eyebrow on. Well, it wasn't like Dr. Fauci was busy with the 50 other states or 49 other states. 
New York was first hit. This was his focus. Mm-hmm. It didn't spread through this, the country yet. Yeah. It did several months later. But I would ask Dr. Fauci, any communications with the March 25th order? Listen, the Republicans like to go haywire on Dr. Fauci. But for us, he plays a pivotal role is because we know that he was communicating with Cuomo. I would focus just on the March 25th order and the CDC guidelines with Dr. Fauci to find out if he shared drafts. I don't see any from the foils, from the federal government foils and from the executive chamber foils. But I hope the Republicans focus and I hope it wakes the Democrats up and the truth, I believe, will eventually come out. You do believe that. Because it's either going to come out from the Republicans or it's going to come out from the Democrats realizing if they don't do it, the Republicans are going to do it. I hope you're right. I don't care what party it is. And I just wish they would go back to black and white. Right. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And stop worrying about blue and red. But how many times have you and I been on the phone and I've been so frustrated and you've been the one that sort of calms me down and tells me that the truth will at some point become available. I mean, but I am still very frustrated, Peter. I, I, it is a daunting task. Um, It has taken every bit of my extra energy, time, effort, tenacity, uh, a financial commitment. Uh, uh, It's the time commitment, which supersedes the financial commitment. And, it is not easy to move the government. Yeah. And I sometimes have to remember, and I sometimes I remind you too, Janice, remember Governor Cuomo went from motorcades to Uber. <laughs> he went from having doors open for him to where he has to open the door. But he's still getting airtime, Peter. That's what bothers me as well. (sighs) You know, there are people that are putting him on the air so that he continues to gaslight and lie and pretend nothing happened. And that's what's also very frustrating. Well, I I hope that you're pushing uh, that radio show to have me on. I am. Facts. Yeah. I, I know you are. Um, I can't really say that guy's last name. What's his name? John. John Katsimatidis. Yeah. WABC, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. JC. I'll call him JC. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that would be fair uh, if he had a, a nursing home advocate on. I mean, he had Governor Cuomo on and he said, well, you know, there's always two sides to a story. And he allowed Cuomo to talk for 10 minutes. Yes. And you're correct, JC. There are two sides to a story, and now it's time to hear our side. That's right. And you wrote your op-ed for the New York Daily News. It says, Dad's COVID death, three years later, still no answers. And I know you're not giving up. And I want to close it out by you telling me what you remember most about your dad. Um, I had, a, I had a, an amazing relationship with my father. We worked together. Uh, He worked for me for 25 years at least after he retired uh, as a longshoreman uh, in Brooklyn on the docks. 
and he drove me around and we worked together and we laughed and, you know, uh, like one of my fondest memories of my father is we were driving and he was driving me and I tell him, make a left. He'd be like, no, I'm going to make a right. And we argue and he makes the left and I was wrong. And he's like, ah, I told you you were wrong. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, dad. My father never taught me. And then we would laugh and laugh and laugh. And I'd say, when are you going to take responsibility for your own DNA? If I make a mistake, you should own it too. <laughs> so we had an amazing relationship. His, listen, he was old. We lost him. And I fight every day because there's one other thing. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I have not gone to see my father yet. Because I promised I wasn't there when he got buried because it was only 10 people. Yes. And so I never saw my father in a coffin. And I never went to the cemetery because I said, Dad, I'm not coming to visit you until there's an investigation. Mm -hmm. And two, I understand what happened and why this happened. And three years later, I didn't put that in the op-ed, but three years later, um, I still haven't gone to see him. And I'm hopeful that one day I will be able to go see him with some good news. Is it a high accomplishment for the Daily News to publish an op-ed? Yes. Um, I have five op-eds written, two in the Daily News, the last two. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult to write. Um, I'm not a, a, a writing person. Um, but I want others to write. I want an investigative reporter to take my work and really go forward because to me, this is our modern day Watergate. Yes. This is COVID gate, but the difference between Watergate and this is people died. Mm. There was a huge cover up and we have to understand why there was a cover up. Yes. And, and I'm that's all I seek. It's all I seek. And I'm reminded by Winston Churchill by saying those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yes. Well, if there's one thing that I am grateful for is that this tragedy brought us together and out of grief, we find purpose and out of grief, we found each other. And I love you very much. And, you know, advocacy you. is not, is not a week or a month or years. It's a lifetime. So, um, so I look forward to finding answers together. Thank you, my love. I love you. I love you, too. Thank you again, Peter Arbini, for your incredibly hard work, your passion, your determination to make sure your father and thousands of other parents and grandparents did not die in vain. We will never give up this fight for justice and accountability. If you would like to see Peter's timeline, I highly recommend visiting and bookmarking his website, wecarewall.com. And if you would like to view our testimonies from this week's select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic, oversight.house.gov. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. 
The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.